everybody and welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating. I'm your host Drew Agnew and the doors to episode 235 are open. This week on the show, PAX Australia has come and gone. I'm going to discuss the Super Mario Bros trailer. Bayonetta's voice actress says to boycott Bayonetta 3. And we need <laughs> we meet a brand new Pokemon called Billy Bolt. I hope you're all going well, and I uh, thank you very much for joining me at the house this week. We've had a had a l- fantastic couple of last weeks. Actually, it's been a lot of fun, and I've been uh, just aching to get back into the studio and record another episode. But for, for some reason, I just had a bit of a, a bit of a tickle at the back of my throat. I had a bit of a runny nose. How could that have come come about? You know, went to PAX Australia, been around thousands of people for the first time in three years, and I don't know, I got a bit of a cold and uh, had a bit of a, you know, bit of a rat test. Turns out I had COVID. There you go. First time for everything in the <laughs> in the in the world these days. Um, so yeah, no, the last couple of weeks have been a little bit slow for me. Um, well, not last couple of weeks, last few days, I should say, hasn't been hasn't been that bad. Um, but yeah, been pretty slow, just been resting up. And um, unfortunately, yesterday, my wife came down with it as well, Chantel. So she had a, a rough uh, day yesterday, but we're on the mend. We're going well. And uh, Lucas doesn't seem to have um, got it, at least uh, not yet at the time recording this. So it's all going well. But, you know, I, th- I feel like for me, PAX was a much needed, you know, experience to get to and just just lift up my spirits a little bit, see some friends again, you know, do all that type of stuff. I haven't really done too much social stuff, you know, for the last three years. So it's, it's, it's been a great thing. Even uh, when everything is normal, I'm not that, that social anyway. So it's great to, uh, it's great to catch up with some mates. You know, my good friend, Ash, we stayed uh, together in the same motel room. It was awesome to see him. He lives in Western Australia now, but we went to school together. So it was great to see him in person. Got to see Josh from Nintendvania. Basically spent uh, all the weekend with him. Um, first time meeting in person and we just, uh, we clicked like two peas in a pod. We had a fantastic time. And uh, also a bunch of other friends as well. Brennan White, um, Dylan Blight, a bunch of uh, just awesome, awesome people from the community. Bunch of time of Buddy as well. Ryan Betson. Oh, there's so many names. We had, oh, what, what, a, what a great time it was. Um... A few, uh, a few too many beers, but not too many beers because for some reason, I don't know, the, the first night I got there, it took about seven hours uh, to get to Melbourne. You might have saw on social media <laughs> that I was uh, doing some cheeky little videos on the way to Melbourne and that, that was fun to do. I basically just put my phone up and uh, have like a, a wireless microphone that I clip onto my onto the seatbelt and I can just, you know, talk away with good audio quality and um, you know, the camera's on the phones these days look pretty good too. <laughs> I sound like an old person, oh yeah, and I looks everybody phones. They come a long way since the old bag phone back when I had one. Never had a bag phone. My parents did. Um, but yeah, I was just sort of uh, yapping away there. And when when we got to uh, Melbourne, um, yeah, just went straight into it. Had a had a few beers, and the uh, for some reason the CBD of Melbourne. It's um about eleven o'clock. All right, time to get out. Time to go home. No more drinks and. Ash and I were walking around sort of like, all right, we'll go get another another drink or two before we go back and we tackle packs the next day. But absolutely nothing. Yeah, nothing was open. So, you know, I, I think that was a good thing. I think uh, the next day I was like, all right, yeah, those four pints were prob- probably enough for me as far as uh, drinking <laughs> goes. <laughs> 
but yeah, the, the convention was absolutely fantastic. I loved it a lot. Um, the last episode you may have heard from me was uh, an encore where I actually got to record at the Audio Technica booth thanks to uh, the team at Audio Technica and Brendan at um, 8-Bit for uh, partnering up and doing that. Um, and that's been a fantastic sort of sort of opportunity for a bunch of us podcasters to uh, just to get out there and, you know, podcast in a different setting and maybe, you know, help other people find our shows through just going around on the show floor and maybe seeing our sign um, up on the TV screen while we were recording. Uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's really cool. So um, when I recorded that, that was literally just a few hours into PAX. So I hadn't had much of an opportunity to actually go around the show floor and check things out. But it was uh, it was great. But I, I will say, just sort of walking around the show floor um, for the couple of days, there wasn't anything that sort of blew me away. I think, um, as always, the indie games are always the highlight. Um, you're always going to find a, a, at least a handful of games that um, you're going to put on your list and put on your Steam wish list or um, even Switch <laughs> Switch uh, wish, uh, wish list if um, it's not too far away. Um, but, yeah, that, that was my highlight. I've got three interviews coming up. Um, in this episode, which is going to be a lot of fun. They're only short, about four minutes or three minutes each. So nothing too much to, to keep you <laughs> keep you away from your everyday life. Uh, but yeah, man, it's a, it was a great time. But, you know, Nintendo, Xbox or PlayStation weren't there this year. And you can imagine sort of, uh, I think a lot of uh, these big venues around the world are trying to recoup some of the costs that they've lost over the last couple of years. So I think a, a lot of these booths are becoming pretty expensive. So we only sort of saw booths from, I guess, uh, big players. We saw them from like Twitch and even Amazon.com.au were there showing off some products like laptops and VR helmets and all that type of stuff. Um, Square Enix were there with Final Fantasy fourteen. Devolver Digital were showing off Gumbrella and uh, what's it called? Yeah, anyway. They were showing off some, uh, some games there, which um, I lined up for, but... I just hate lining up, man. I hate lining up when it comes to these conventions. So I just, I just sort of look at it and go, nah, I won't do that. I just walk around aimlessly instead <laughs> half the time. But um, yeah, no, fantastic time at PAX. Um, just uh, absolutely unreal experience. And I, um, I can't wait to uh, go again next year and hopefully not catch COVID this time or <laughs> next time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I do apologize if I have to catch my breath or uh, I've got a cough or a sneeze or something coming during this episode. I've been holding off as long as I can, but if I hold off another day, it won't happen this week. So yeah, just uh, thank you for understanding and I very much appreciate it. Let's have a sip of this water here. I've got my nice Pokemon cup here. Oh, I love this cup so much. So it's like a liter cup and I can, I usually, if I'm going out drinking or something or if I'm having a house party, this is, this is my cup. I've got a big cup. I fill it up with ice, usually fill it up with rum and then like a bit of Coke just to sweeten the deal a little bit. And that is absolutely delicious. I love it so much for that. But just water. I'm not, we're not doing that. <laughs> I'm not in the mood for drinking whatsoever at the moment. Could you imagine just like doing a solo podcast by yourself, just getting drunk? What a, what kind of rabbit hole would you go down? <laughs> Jesus, I wouldn't even know. I'd be down a just some deep wabbit. wabbit. <laughs> Wake up, dunk. <laughs> rabbit warren. Just, uh, I'll never get out. I'll be like a, a Jack Russell Terrier going down this rabbit warren and be like, oh, fuck, I can't get out of this rabbit hole. <laughs> Someone's got to dig me out with the tractor, boys. Uh, I don't know. That's a bit of a, 
hunting farming joke. I don't know if anyone's going to get that. But we've just got some housekeeping, guys. I've got some cool stuff just to let you guys know about. If you're interested, of course, uh, just ignore it if you're not. But um, I'm really kicking up sort of our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Uh The video version of this very show, you can go and check it out. You can check out the animated intro to The House of Mario every episode over on that YouTube channel. I'm really happy with it. I paid, um, I commissioned someone on Fiverr.com, actually. Um, cost me... A few hundred dollars, let's let's put it that way. and But I'm very happy with it. I think it really sort of uh, ups the quality of the video show. And while at the moment I'm going to be just using that and then the video and audio, um, going forward I want to, you know, make the, the video look as presentable as possible and keep people's interest on the actual, actual video version itself. So I'm really looking forward to doing that. Also a bunch of other stuff on the YouTube channel. I've done a unboxing of a Taiko no Tatsujin Rhythm Festival, which I'll be talking about a little bit later on this show. I did an unboxing of the drum and the game on there, as well as, um, you know, just some other stuff. I'm, I'm going to be really experimental just with the YouTube channel, you know, doing shorts, doing podcasts, doing um, another show that I'm thinking about doing, um, which is like a basically a 10-minute show where I just answer um, a random question each time. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be allow me just to uh, make content when I'm out and about, whether I'm in the car or in the paddock or whatever. I'm looking forward to doing that. So just a bunch of experimental stuff uh, and, of course, more uh, Nintendo content I want to put out there as well. So go and check that out. Um, yeah, subscribe if you like. I've uh, just hit the 100 subscribers mark and at the time of recording this, I had 120 subscribers, which I'm ecstatic about. I'm really just thankful to everybody who took the time to check out the channel, leave a subscription, all of that. And let's keep pushing on. I really want to uh, make the best content I can. and I want to, I want to grow um, naturally because I've got a lot to learn. So it'd be weird if I just hit a thousand subscribers like in the next week. I know that's not going to happen, but if I did, I'd be like, oh crap, <laughs> that's going to put a lot more pressure on me. So uh, yeah, just go and check it out if you'd like that. And talking about pushing myself to make better content, I feel like I'm at the place now where I want to start pushing this a little bit more. Well, not pushing it, but just letting you guys know that it exists. Um, Patreon.com slash iDruby. And for a dollar a month, you can get access to exclusive podcasts. One is a weekly show, which I call Secret Recordings, where I go behind the scenes of everything that I do with the YouTube channel, the podcasts, talk about things that I'm excited coming uh, further, and just uh, a bit more about the actual content creation side, which I'm super passionate about. I'm really passionate about the actual creation and the podcast and the tools and everything that's coming out. For example, like with YouTube, there's been a big leak at the moment that um, they're going to be tackling podcasts real seriously coming in the future with like RSS feeds and the audio side of things allow allow podcasters to be able to um, put ads in, in their shows and monetize a bunch of cool stuff like that, as, as well as obviously the video stuff, um, which I'm really excited about just as a creator. So a lot of that stuff is discussed um, in that channel because it doesn't make, so, make much sense here. But uh, absolutely. And I do a, a monthly show with uh, Josh of Nintendvanium called Heaps Good, where we just sort of sit back, have a good time, discuss what you want to talk about. And uh, of course, video games come up there. And we're actually thinking about doing like a video game book club each, each month as well, which um, I think last one time we uh, discussed, um, we wanted to discuss Toem. And I chose that and I still haven't played it yet. Um, the last uh, last month has been a little bit ridiculous, but uh, it is what it is. So yeah, go and check that out if you, it sounds interested to you. There's more tiers there as, um, as, a, as it goes up as well. And um, of course, if you just like the show, 
the easiest way is just leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Just five stars, and if you write something, it's uh, it's nice as well. But um, anything under five stars, you can you can keep it to yourself. Thank you very much. I also want to start off just with a question we got from Wacko Jacko, and a big shout out to Wacko Jacko. Yesterday, um, at the time of recording this. Um, it was his 30th birthday, so a big shout out to Wacko Jacko. You are our guru geek out of the week, mate. So thank you very much just for your question, and I hope you had a fantastic time in Adelaide with your family and friends there, dude. Um, got a question for him about a week ago. He said, thoughts about PAX, and also, if you were the event organizer of PAX, what would you change? And I always enjoy PAX because uh, just the people that go there. So it's a little bit of a little bit of a cheat, to be honest with you. It's uh, it's not too hard for me to enjoy PAX. I think I, I said this before, but if uh, the convention center was just empty and it was just a slab floor, I reckon it'd be just, I just need a little bit of a push, a little bit of a motivation, a little bit of an excuse. But all right, we're going to Melbourne and everyone who lives in the area or even in Australia, like goes at the same time. And it doesn't need to be a video game convention. It could honestly just be an Airbnb house. And I've suggested this before and I've been motivated a little bit by uh, another pod, uh, podcast group in the States actually called uh, PSVG, Play Some Video Games. And before the whole pandemic thing happened, they were actually going to rent a house and just catch up, play games together, record podcasts together, have an awesome time. I think it was going to be like E3 time. So they were just going to get together, make content, play games, and just uh, indulge in their, their passions and their friendships and all that. And I'll be more than happy just to do that. Like if PAX doesn't happen, next year, which, which it will, which I goddamn hope it will, because yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a great time. Um, I'll be more than happy just with a house. <laughs> so that's something to keep in mind. But if I was an event organizer for PAX, what would I change? Look, if I was, if I was the event manager for PAX, oh my God, I don't think anyone would go to PAX ever again. There'll be, uh, what would they, um, I was thinking about like, oh, what food stalls would you have? But they, the food stalls nailed it this year. I went and got a bloody, a bloody sausage from one of the the vans. It was not a bad sausage. They could have, I reckon the, I reckon the bun was a bit stale. Like it was, it wasn't very fresh. The bun, but um, yeah, maybe I'll change the bun. Like, oh, we got to get some fresh buns up in this, uh, <laughs> this, this van here. Uh, but no, the actual event was great. I think um, the only complaint that I honestly had was just no Nintendo, no PlayStation, no Xbox. And that's purely just because, you know, me going there and wanting to create content around it and cover some things. You know, Nintendo is just a a pretty straightforward, easy one for me because like if they were there this year, it would have been like, hey, look, we got hands on with Bayonetta 3. Hey, look, we got hands on with, I don't know, Pokemon Violet and Scarlet. Um, We got hands on with um, uh, Sparks of Hope. We got, you know, there's, there's a bunch of games coming out. So, um, if they were there, like it would have been kind of a shoe in and we know some people at Nintendo Australia as well, which we have an email back and forth with because we, uh, we're lucky enough to occasionally get, um, launch day codes to, um, you know, cover on the show. So it would have been great just to, you know, meet people like that and shake hands with some, uh, people that we just, um, you know, talk on email and stuff. Um, but that's not really, uh, if I was an event manager, I think, um, I really don't, didn't have any complaints, honestly, even to the point where it's like booking accommodation. We were able to book accommodation, like literally right next to the convention center at like a reduced price. So like all of these, 
everything um, was organized really well. And I think they had a few years to sort of work it out. <laughs> so a few years of it not happening, like, all right, you know, this is, we can, we can try and make it perfect. But I think uh, next time I would honestly just like to, to see some of these um, big companies come back and make it feel as big as ever. But um, yeah. Also, I got a question from uh, Foolish Fuji, which uh, it was an absolutely fantastic to meet Foolish Fuji at PAX. Um, we basically met each other through Carpool Gaming's Discord community. Um, I think there was one time where I think we were playing Mario Kart online when Sean Capri was was streaming. And um, she mentioned like, oh, look, she's Australian as well. And honestly, over in that community, which is very much Canadian and uh, American, I was like, oh, look, another Australian. I was uh, very excited. So um, when I found out that she was going to PAX, we, we had a bit of catch up, walked around a bit, had a great conversation about a lot of things and it was awesome. So um, if you're listening to this, Fuji, thank, like, thank you so much. It was great to, great to meet you. I hope you had a fantastic time. I hope we didn't get... Um, I hope we didn't get the uh, the COVID like I did. I hope we didn't give it to you. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I actually, just talking about the COVID, I actually don't think I had um, COVID until like the last minute because I didn't actually come down with symptoms, like serious symptoms until Thursday. And I got home um, like Sunday night. So it took, a, it took a little bit for it to settle in, to be honest. Um, but I don't know. That's uh, how COVID works, I guess. Um but she says, apart from PAX, have you attended any other gaming cons? And I've attended a couple. The um, the most notable one would be our local one here in Australia. Oh, sorry, in Adelaide, being Avcon. And I've been going to that since like high school times. Like, um, it's uh, it started off as just like a uni SA, a bunch of nerds getting together, watching anime, playing some games together, having fun, and eventually grew and grew and grew until it's like a full on convention where they get special guests and have anime screenings and um, have booths and tournaments and a bunch of stuff going on. They take up the um, convention center at Adelaide. Um, just, yeah, pretty much fill it up. It's um it's a great time and I've been having a lot of fun going to that. So, like, it is mainly anime focused, like, for the most part, as far as, like, all the artwork and all the stalls and that go. And I quite like that because um, anime, it's always something in the back of my head because... I loved it as a kid. I loved anime a lot. And I used to um, download it illegally at school. We found a, a way through the proxy and we um, downloaded as much as we wanted because at home I did not have the bandwidth to be able to download any video, even like watch video, let alone download the um, the full HD stuff we were, <laughs> we were downloading. Just had it going all day. To the point I think we actually capped our school's internet. Like we, yeah, something happened one day. Like, ooh, was that us? Um but yeah, it's, it's great going to Avcon and just being like reminded like, oh, that, that anime actually looks really cool and getting that and um, getting a few getting a few uh, Hatsune Miku statues and <laughs> all of that. But my main love is just going to the, the video game section and they got the free play is actually really cool there because at PAX, you got to go like give like your, um, it's a bit of a palaver. You got heaps so crowded in there. You've got to give your license and all of that. But at PAX, it's just, oh, sorry, at Avcon, it's pretty much just rocking up and playing what you want. And especially Smash Brothers, um, back when Super Smash Brothers Brawl was like the Smash Brothers game, we'd sit down and Bryce and I would play and uh, someone else would be like watching. I'm like, oh man, jump on and just like, you know, playing Smash, just like, so, you know, what's your name? What do you do? And, you know, just catching up over Smash Brothers. And it, it was, it was awesome. And late at night, they would have a, like a video game dance party. 
And this was, that was like the first time I'm like, oh my God, is that remixed Legend of Zelda music? First time I ever heard like a remix of, uh, <laughs> of any video game music and it blew my mind. I loved it so much. I thought it was awesome. Um, so yeah, whenever I can, I, um, I, I go to those events and, um, I think the last time we went, I actually went as media and got to interview some people. Um, yeah, it was actually, I think like episode say 50 something. If you go down, go down in our RSS feed, you'll have some uh, interviews from voice actors and stuff, um, which I actually lugged like all my microphones and everything to the uh, convention center in Adelaide. It was a lot of fun. So we always go to Avcon. Really cool. Oh, it didn't happen this year. It got canceled again. I think it was mainly because of like costs and stuff associated with the, the convention center. Um, Cause like, yeah, it's not read pop or anyone actually organizing it. It is just like, you know, just uh, volunteers pretty much. Um, but another one would be RTX that I went to in Sydney. This would be one of the most influential ones I've been to in my whole life. I'm not a um, big Rooster Teeth fan, um, but RTX is like Rooster Teeth's, uh, I guess, convention. And I had it in Adelaide and um, I'm a huge kind of funny fan. So uh, Greg Miller and Tim Geddes from kind of funny went there. I think I talked about this last week, actually. <laughs> I think about it, but they went there and, um, you know, just with the whole idea of those guys going there who are like, you know, two of my idols. And also that was the first time we got to play the Nintendo switch in a March. Uh, no, must be, must be February, uh, 2017. So I, um, I went there to go and play the switch meet kind of funny. And, um, I lined up for the switch and that line was massive and it was not moving. I'm like, Oh, I'll tell you what, I'll play uh, the legend of Zelda and Mario Kart eight. Um, when I get my own switch, I'll save that moment for when that happens. So I didn't play it. I, um, <laughs> didn't worry about it, but, uh, you know, got to meet a bunch of other people that were there to see kind of funny. And a lot of those people went on to become content creators and good friends of mine who I go and see at PAX, like, you know, Brendan White, um, uh, <laughs> just, yeah, <laughs> like Brendan White, that's the only person, uh, Dylan, uh, I think I was I was hung up. I was gonna say Brandon White, but I was gonna say Dylan Blight. <laughs> I fucking did not mean to um, accidentally make those rhyme. But Ryan Betson and um, I don't know if a buddy was there, but we met soon after anyway. Like a, a bunch, like so many people we've gone on to meet, and like John O'Peck and oh, just people are coming to my mind as as I'm as I'm saying this out loud, but. Yeah, man, that was just like a, a really important one to go to as far as that goes. That's what spurred on the House of Mario to go on to, you know, what it is now and um, a bunch of friends there as well. So I think conventions, man, they're incredibly important, but they are also pretty rare here in Australia. Like we got PAX, I got Avcon. I honestly don't know what other ones to go to. I don't know if there are any other ones um, as far as um, ones I need to go to. I know there's, um, I think there's another anime convention in uh, Tasmania, but yeah, I, yeah, that's a bit far away for me. That's, that's to Melbourne. Then there's the, then there's the airport trip. The airport trip. Did I just call it <laughs> getting on a plane? An airport trip? I think I did. I'm going nuts. So let's go on to the geek, uh, Guru Geek Out. As I mentioned, a uh, big happy birthday to Wacko Jack. I hope you're having a fantastic time, mate. You're always um, awesome to talk to on the podcast. You do awesome on your Twitch channel, and um, yeah, just a big 30th birthday. But I, I also can't leave out Josh, Josh from Nintendvania. And he did an incredibly kind thing to me at PAX. And he just surprised me with this. He opened up his backpack and he gave me a Filbert Amiibo card. The card that I've been um, looking for for 
a fair while, not actively. I bought like three packs. I didn't get it. I'm like, all right, well, we'll try again next year. But <laughs> I've been really hoping just to get Philbit in my village. I really wanted that Amiibo card and Josh must have had a spare or just didn't care about it in his collection or whatever. But, you know, Josh, thank you very much. I've thanked you just profusely in person. But uh, now that I have this card in my possession, guys, when I get back to New Horizons, I'm going to tap that Amiibo card so hard on that NFC reader that that Philbit is going to get sucked out of that card. Just whoop. And into my game, I cannot wait. Cannot wait. So big shout out to uh, to Josh there. And uh, another big shout out to Brennan White as well. Um, he invited myself and a bunch of other people out to a pizza night at PAX on the, uh, on the Saturday night. And it was a fantastic time. We had a deep dish pizza. And this is the first time I've had Chicago style deep dish pizza. It was really nice. It was delicious. And I cannot wait to have another one. I don't know if it's my, it was, it was a pepperoni one. I really liked it. I don't know if I prefer it over like a normal pepperoni. I might have to be in a certain certain mood for it, but I also don't have anywhere around me that does deep dish pizza. So it might not be a, might not be a problem <laughs> making the decision for myself. But um, yeah, it was uh, absolutely delicious. And what, what actually happened is I think, um, I think Brendan actually got the bill for all of us. So I, I I can't uh, I, I just can't put into words how you know generous Brendan is, and um, a few of us bought him some drinks to try and make up for it. But I can imagine that that bill with all those pizzas wasn't um, <laughs> wasn't wasn't too cheap. So thank you very much, Brendan. You're a bloody legend. All right, guys, let's move on a little bit. Let's move on to an interview I actually did on the pack show floor, and I'm excited for you guys to hear this. Uh, this is uh, an interview I did with Ian from um what we got here what's my list uh yeah we uh interviewed ian from uh a developer (laughs) behind the game haven view and what's really cool about this is it's uh, basically an isometric game multiplayer game i jumped on with josh and ash and uh it's funny because ash basically just dragged us through it twin stick shooter shooting aliens um pretty cool um pretty stressful just like (laughs) with everything that was going on screen (laughs) But um, let's jump into the interview with Ian and uh, hear about his game. All right, we're here on the pack show floor with Ian, uh, developer behind uh, uh, Havenview. How are you going? Really good, thank you. We uh, we had a go at your game and we uh, we just beat it. I think it was a miracle. I wasn't very good at it, but uh, my friends definitely held me through it. It was good. But uh, tell us a bit about your game and I guess the, the history of development and where you're at at the moment. Yeah, sure. So uh, we've gone with like a 90s theme Halloween looter shooter. Um, Pretty much up to six players, local couch co-op. We're about six months in, so we've still probably got another year of dev to go. Um, Hoping for Halloween next year release. Um, And yeah, it's just like put together a demo at the moment that's playable for packs. Um, Have some some fun with your friends and like grab lots of loot, upgrade your weapons, um, try and beat the spider boss. No, absolutely. Like, what sort of inspired you to do a, a game like this? Was it a love of couch cop on, like games, or this is just something that you you wanted to put out there? <laughs> yeah, um, probably Hades uh, and a few games like that that came out recently. Um, sort of like super cool, top down, two D, um, and like that kind of like replayability of whether you're dying but you're trying to like revive and like um, upgrade your weapons and be, but hold on to them as well as you're going. 
Um, so super, we, we really like the concept, um, but we're thinking like put blockbuster video and like bring some of that kind of nostalgia back um, and give people that 90s vibe in like suburbia. Um, so Haven views the town, uh, alien invasion, you've got to just try and survive and save the town basically. Yeah, it's got like that, um, that really 90s sort of art style with that, the aliens and the weapons and everything that's going on. And um, yeah, just like that isometric view of um, you know, using your weapons and dual stick combat, which I love. I love a, a lot of games like Stardust Delta and a lot of that type of stuff. So it's, it's fun to um, yeah, have, a, have a, um, an indie studio tackle game like that. Yeah, nice. Yep. We're... Um just been enjoying sort of watching everyone play and try and beat it and most people are dying so <laughs> I feel like that's mission successful from our perspective but you guys did really well. Yeah. Well my friend Ash is definitely the one who pulled us through so 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 most people aren't actually beating it are they? Yeah we've had a few people beat it I'd say maybe four groups out of wow. hundreds. Wow. So not too many. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's wow. like uh, you've got to, it's really about teamwork trying to get that revive under pressure um, and the game's got dynamic sort of difficulty as well, so it's getting harder over time as well. So the longer you go, the tougher it is. So um, yeah, the house wins normally. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I guess anyone out there who's interested in checking it out, what um, website or Twitter account or anything can they be uh, turned towards to go and check it out? Yeah, we've got a wish list on Steam at the moment. Um, we only just put it up. Um, and then we'll have like website, socials, um, but yeah, it's all under Havenview. Excellent, excellent. So yeah, go and check it out if that sounds like something you're interested in and be something I'll keep my eye on as well. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for your time. That was awesome. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah, so that actually really surprised me when I found out that um, our group was like one of hundreds to act, or yeah, like just so, oh, I could not believe it actually, like, you could hear it in that interview, but just like only like four out of about a hundred actually beat it. Like that is unreal. And I um I did not have really much part of that to play. Basically, it was me dying. And somehow Ash got like an upgrade where he's he had like a machine gun, but Josh and I, we just had like a pistol. So um, in the game, there's like this big, gross looking alien um, getting around this car park. And like, he's got a bunch of minions coming out and I'm shooting them and you know, getting them, you know, dead one by one. But Josh is just, uh, oh, sorry, Ash has just got the machine gun just going into this main enemy for most of the time. And um, he revived us quite a bit. So thank you very much for that. Um, so, sorry if that audio was a bit quiet or peaking or whatever. Um, that was just recorded on my handheld recorder and I'm just playing that through the computer now. So if it sounds a bit funny, I'm sorry about that. But um, yeah, Havenview, definitely one to check out. I reckon it's going to be a lot of fun on Switch um, when we've got like a, a few people around. Take down some, oh, take down some aliens and um, have a good time with that. Dual, like I just love uh, dual stick games as well. So pretty cool. Um, a game that I've been playing, um, just I've got some impressions on that I've been playing a little bit last night, was uh, a game that I mentioned at the start was uh, Tokyo, uh, Takio no Tatsujin uh, rhythm festival and this is a brand new game came out last friday and i've been looking forward to getting this for a while um, i've already got a couple of these games on switch uh, i've forgotten the name of the first one that came out i also got the two rpgs if you remember that in the nintendo direct at some point 
Um, but I never really played them that much because you could either play them with button controls and the whole, de- whole idea of the game is that the notes are coming across the screen and you've got red and blue notes coming across. And the red notes is basically hitting the drum, like boom, boom, hitting it in the middle. And then the blue notes are like a rim shot. So, um, and you're basically just going back and forth between them. And the button controls, it's either, you know, B for the drum and A for the rim shot. It's a little bit boring, you know, just playing it like that. I think um, other games work a lot better for like button controls, like Hatsu Miku and um, a few other rhythm games that I'm really into. But this game's a little bit boring, just pressing the buttons. It doesn't feel like you're playing the drums. But on Switch as well, there's a control scheme that allows you to actually play it with the Joy-Cons. And you can like wave the Joy-Con down to do a hit of the drum, or you can like put it inwards, like um, like your hands together to do like a, the rim shot. And that sounds like a cool idea, just doing air drums. But it also, you know, it doesn't register every note, especially if you're doing like a song on hard, um, where there's a lot of notes going on and you've got to be your timing's got to be spot on. Um, Motion controls just unfortunately don't work well for that. Um, So I really wanted the drum. I really, really wanted the actual drum. And for a long time, it's just been Japanese exclusive. You weren't actually able to buy it um, just in your local retail or whatever. So you had to um, get one through PlayAsia. I think it was about 150 bucks for the drum. And by the time you had taxes and uh, shipping and all that, it was like a $200 accessory. So... For many years, I sort of looked at it and went, nah, not not too worried about that. But um, with this game, they have bundled the drum together and it's uh, it's cool to finally have it. And um, while I was talking about the price, um, it wasn't that much cheaper to buy it here, mind you. Uh, EB Games, I paid $250 for the bundle and it makes it hard to recommend that. Like, is it that good for $250? Probably not, but honestly, I'm a, you know, when I was in high school, I was a drummer and I love drums. I've got uh, like bongos out in the lounge room. They, it entertains my son, so I've got him in the lounge room at the moment. Um, so I just love playing drums. I love drum games and all that. So this was like right up my alley. I really wanted it. And I, um, yeah, set it up last night, plugged it, played it at the desk I'm sitting at now. And um, actually, yeah, did the unboxing video. You can go and check out on youtube.com slash idruby. And it's, it's great. I absolutely love playing it. And talking about Avcon earlier, this is where I actually fell in love with this game. They had a retro game section set up um, with a, yeah, Tatsuno Tatsu uh, set up on like a PlayStation 2. And I was playing the PlayStation 2 version and having a great time. I'm like, I just want to play this forever. It's awesome. Um, so yeah, the, like the gameplay hasn't really changed. And there was a bunch of story stuff at the start and I went, skip, 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 skip. I don't I, I couldn't care less about what this little drum's getting up to on his adventures. I just wanted to play the actual rhythm game. So I jump into it. There's a bunch of songs in there. And um, you may have, uh, you may recognize um, this game from a Nintendo Direct, uh, the, uh, the third-party Nintendo Direct um, ages ago at the start of this year. And they announced there that there's going to be like a, a basically like a monthly service where you can get access to 500 songs which is pretty cool. I actually really like this idea. So in the past, you know, you'd buy your DLC songs, like, I don't know, $2 or something like that each. And if you want a few, that's going to add up. Like, oh yeah, 50 songs, that's, that's you know, at $2 each, for example, that's a hundred bucks. That's a lot to spend on, you know, more content for this game. So what you can do for this is like, I think it's $15 Australian for three months or $7 a month type of thing. 
And that's actually pretty cool because if you just want one song, you can be like, all right, I'll, I'll buy it. I'll download it. I'll add it to my collection. But if you just want to go through like this massive list of songs, you can. You can sign up and um, you've got some friends coming over. You want to play some Tatsujin, uh, you, you know, chuck some money on your Switch and have a go at it that way. Uh, they have a week free trial. So I signed up to that and I was going through all the songs and they got like a, a bunch of a uh, bunch of stuff that I really enjoyed playing. They got a bunch of uh, the Japanese uh, Pokemon theme songs. A little bit disappointed uh, that like they weren't English because I don't I don't recognize any of the uh, Japanese stuff as far as their uh, Pokemon goes. But even the Star Wars theme, they got a bunch of um, Disney stuff in there. A um, bunch of pop music, Vocaloid music that you can go through. So I only touched the surface of it last night. It was a lot of fun. So I'm going to be playing this a little bit more, um, but. I was incredibly paranoid just when I was playing it because this room is like right next to my son who was in bed at the time. So there I am just like. Um, <laughs> trying to be as quiet as I can and just uh, literally drumming. But it wasn't it wasn't an issue. He did not wake up all night. So good for him. Good boy. Good boy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just a, a few impressions for that. I'll be playing that a lot more, but I don't know... Uh, sort of how much my opinion will change. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get sick of it. Maybe I'll get really good at it. At the moment, I'm just playing on normal. I um, I think normal feels, it feels too easy for me, but when I step up to hard, it's a little bit too hard for me as well. So maybe some time just spent in like the tutorials and some practice modes will be good for me, I think. So yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to the, the end of that. Let's jump into the latest news and see what's going on in the world of Nintendo this week. <laughs> So we got a big update for Nintendo Switch Sports, but guess what? It bloody broke your game. Let's uh, read a bit more about it on Vooks.net and then we'll discuss. So earlier this week, Nintendo released an update to Nintendo Switch Sports taken to version 1.2.1. Unfortunately, that update has essentially broken the game. Nintendo says for both offline and online uh, play. Uh, if you have updated the game, it'll crash at the pre-match loading screen. Nintendo has pulled the update, disabling cloud saves, and has taken the game offline in an attempt to stop people from being able to get stuck on the outdated version. Uh, Nintendo has issued a statement in the following tweets, and that reads, A bug which has been found in the Nintendo Switch Sports version blah 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 update which causes the software to close during a pre-match loading screen. This is unfortunately affecting both online and off-play modes. We have therefore temporarily suspended the rollout of this update. So yeah, big um, big oopsie by Nintendo. We've been waiting for that uh, that golf update. You know, play some golf with your with your friends, have a bloody good time. But yeah, no, they've uh, seen the botch that one. So if you if you've updated, um, yeah, Nintendo apologizes for it. Sorry about that. Sorry you can't play your game you paid for, but. It is what it is. You know, there's, there's human beings behind the updates. I'm, I'm sure the intern mucked up some code and something happened. So, yeah, it is what it is. Next up, we got a brand new Pokemon. We got Belly Bolt in a Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Wow, that's a... It's 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 a Pokemon, all right? So, basically around this, there was like a, a bit of a tease beforehand. There was a, a gym leader reveal and there was a just like a bunch of... You know, she was she was she's a Japanese idol, so she just talks and talks and talks, and she sounds like she's squawking and 
whatever. It's, oh, you know, everybody like made fun of her for, you know, being over the top and whatever. And I actually didn't watch any reactions, but I saw a lot of the reactions, just like the thumbnails on YouTube, just being like the, Ugh, you know, the the, fa- the hand on the face, just like, you know, the face palm, just like, oh, you know, what is this? That's the sort of vibe I got from um, checking it out on Twitter and stuff. But it was also funny. I saw a tweet that basically said like, all the Pokemon YouTubers who are um, paying this chick out for basically acting exactly how they act in videos. I'm like, yeah, yeah, 100%. Like a lot of, uh, you know, the shiny hunters be like, oh my God, let's go, let's go. And then they watch a cartoon character of this uh, this idol being like, like, you know, just going going off. Like, oh my God, this is way over the top. How can anybody watch this? <laughs> so yeah, a bit of a bit of hypocrisy going on there, but um, eventually we got the, the trailer for Belly Bolt. And uh, Belly Bolt expands and contracts its body to generate electricity in an uh, in an organ that looks like a belly button. Electricity is then discharged from the two bumps on either side of its head that resemble eyeballs. Oh my God, it is too. Yeah, okay. So those bumps, I thought they were its eyes, but I'm looking at it now. Its eyes are just like the the yellow dots. All right. So if you haven't seen this, um, yeah, no, that... All right, that's, that's tripped me the hell out now. Looks completely different to what I thought it was. I thought it was this big goofy thing, but it looks a little bit like, um, oh, what's that What's that purple thing from a <laughs> McDonald's called? Uh, don't know, who cares? So yeah, it seems like a cute little cool Pokemon. It also uh, inspired me to put out the tweet as well as far as like these trailers. We got one trailer, which is just like really enthusiastically voice acted. Whereas, uh, you know, the actual footage in the game is just like, you know, her just like lips moving, just like with no sort of emotion whatsoever. It's like, yeah, it's a little bit weird. It's jarring when you put it together like that. And um, a lot of this, for some reason, it's just, it's very controversial to say like, you know, the Pokemon games, I reckon it will be pretty good if they did voice acting for the characters. You know, other JRPGs, even like uh, my beloved Atelier series, you know, it, it makes like probably one hundredth of the money, <laughs> if that, from the games, and they're fully voice acted. Um, but yeah, I, I do understand just like the amount of work it would add, like for a global launch to do, um, just th- that amount of voice acting for all the languages and have it all release at once. I I, I do understand that, but just as far as the actual product goes itself, when you're looking at it. I really don't want another another moment when the gym leader is just like singing and we're just like go chink chink through text and it's like what 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 am I doing? <laughs> what am I watching here? But uh this is this is um something that I'm uh, actually keen to move on to and it's it's been a long time since it happened. It's it's, it's kind of uh come and gone as far as uh, all the hubbub about it, but Super Mario Bros. movie had a trailer release and we finally got to see Bowser, Mario, Toad, a few of these characters, which I'm 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 really happy with. I, I said last episode that I've got high expectations for the Mario Bros. movie. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be awesome to see the Mushroom Kingdom and the Mario world brought to life through animation, just bring every character to life, seeing the interactions and the environments and everything. I think it's going to be awesome. And this trailer just kind of confirmed it for me. 
And we heard Jack Black as uh, Bowser and Jack Black nails Bowser. I think Jack Black is really, really good as Bowser. Um, even uh, Chris Pratt as Mario, he's fine. Like I, you take away Mario's like iconic voice. I don't know what else you're going to put as Mario. Like whether his background is just, um, you know, Brooklyn, New York again. And you just get like a, a more a normal sounding dude, I guess, who's not cartoonified <laughs> as far as, um, as far as the actual Mario games go. So, you know, just Chris Pratt as Mario is fine. He's obviously there because of his name, much like a lot of the other characters, but I feel like Bowser, you can play a little bit more with Bowser doesn't have like an iconic, well, it, it is iconic, but he doesn't have like a iconic voice. Like you can go, whoa, 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 or ah, ah, ah. like it, it can be sort of whatever you need it to be. And toes the same, as long as you do like, a sort of comedic, sort of like, ah, oh, enthusiastic sort of voice, which, um, what was his name? Uh, I forgot his name now. I always got to say Michael Keane, but that wasn't, that's not right. Um, but yeah, I'm really impressed just with like the, the Mario movie. I think it looks great. I cannot wait to see it the 30th of March here in Australia. Yes, we get to see it early. Pretty cool. So really looking forward to that. But, um, you know, when this came out, there's a big, uh, big sort of talk about Mario's ass and, I thought it was funny just from like a comedic stand of, uh, like standpoint, but as, as far as it goes when, you know, people actually like, you know, seriously like talking about Mario's ass, I'm like, oh, it's a little bit rough. But um, when I actually sort of, you know, thought this through on the Nintendvania show when, um, you know, Josh invited me on to go to the Audio Technica booth um, to uh, be on Nintendvania. So definitely go and check out his PAX episode. Just go and check out Nintendvania on podcast services to go and check out that one. But while I was on that show, I was able to think through, what do I think about the Mario R situation? Because there's got to be a reason. Like Mario, he he's jumping around. He's looking good. You know, he's just activating those glutes every single time he's going into a question block. Every time he goes to launch onto a Goomba. Every time he goes to punch Mario's, <laughs> sorry, punch Bowser's butthole to grab his tail and swing around like he does in Mario 64. He's got a he's got a lot going on. So why is Mario's ass so flat in this? And honestly, I think it's just the origin story of Mario and his ass. They grow as one. You don't have an ass without a just rich character that is Mario. You just don't you don't have it straight away. So you know, in the trailer we saw that Mario comes to the Mushroom Kingdom just. You know, he's like, what is this place? Oh my God, what's going on? And meets Toad. Toad says, don't touch this one. But oh no, this one's fine. And he gets taken off to the Mushroom Kingdom. He gets led by Toad. And it's the first time he's ever been to the Mushroom Kingdom. So how much jumping would he be doing before that point? How much just uh, walking about, jumping, doing long jumps, doing wall jumps, doing all these acrobatics that really take a lot out of Mario that will get his fitness to where it needs to be to eventually take on Bowser and... Um, you know, get those power stars back. It's, it's going it's to take a lot. So he's not going to have it at the very start. So what, what I'm thinking is like by the end of the movie, we're going to just see like those overalls just filled out. Those cheeks would have just blossomed into a, just a beautiful, a beautiful uh, pair of cheeks, just, um, just jumping and slapping about as Mario is going for that final, <laughs> that final, uh, final leap. And I was listening to uh, a wonderful Nintendo podcast um, with, from a carpool gaming called Nintendo Drive. And uh, Seth Sturgill, one of the new co-hosts, he he basically laid down exactly what he predicts 
the Mario movie to be, at least how it starts. And it sounded very accurate. So go and check out that if you're interested in just like deep Mario lore. Um, but this is how I, this is how I predict it's going to end. So a final encounter with Bowser. Bowser has all the power stars. He's powerful. But Mario has the power of friendship on his side. He has his brother. He has Toad. He has, uh, I don't know, Donkey Kong. And um, <laughs> he's going for that final swing. Mario jumps up and the camera just pans past his ass like in Bayonetta or another game like that and his cheeks clap together and they tense up and you just see the pants fill out and um, become like that. So that's my prediction. <laughs> I don't know. That's a weird prediction. But yeah, Mario movie looks great, guys. Cannot wait for it uh, next year. We've got some news about the uh, another... Uh, Splatfest happening in Splatoon 3 and it's going to be Pokemon themed and I'm really excited for it so it's going to be it's going to be what we actually really wanted as far as like you know a launch month for a brand new Pokemon game we're going to have a Splatfest which is um, what's your partner Pokemon's type is it going to be grass is it going to be fire or is it going to be water and I think this is awesome I think this is just a no-brainer as far as a Splatfest goes now that it's the three-way um I guess that uh, yeah, choices that you have. So just an uh, absolute no brainer. And uh, this is a question from uh, John Ebo, which does awesome work over on tiktok.com. Um, if you want to go and check out his TikToks and stuff, um, does a bunch of Nintendo content that um, I reckon you should go and follow. But he asked, what Splatfest team are you choosing and why is it fire type? And I've got to be honest, uh, John, it's... um. It's not. It's not going to be fire type, and it's not going to be. It's not going to be grass type. It's going to be water type, and typically, I think my favorite type in general is water. So there we go there. But also in the brand new generation nine games, I am going to be choosing. Um, oh, what's his name again? Quaxley. I was going to say Ducklet. Uh, yeah, Ducklet and Quaxley. Very similar looking Pokemon. But I'm going to be choosing Quaxley. I cannot wait to uh, get Quaxley on my team. Um, for Coco, uh, for, for a Coco looks pretty cool. Um, initially, that was the Pokemon I wanted to start in these brand new games, but I did change my mind. I'm like, oh, nah, nah, nah. I want, I want the Quaxley. I want the silly looking duck. Um, but Sprigatito, prob- probably my least choice um, with the grass type. Um, but I'm just, I'm just thinking like, typically I don't have like a type I, I always go to. I always pick like which Pokemon I like the most. Um, cause generation one, I'd be fire generation two. I'll be water generation three is where I got hung up. Cause I love them all so much, but for the sake of things, I'd go grass, uh, generation four, I'd go water with Piplup generation five. I'd go. I'll go water with um, Oshawott. Generation 6, I'll go... I went um, with Fennekin first time, but Froakie, I'll go water now, now that I know what Fennekin turns into. Generation 7, I think I went with... Yeah, I went with Rowlet, so I'll go grass. Uh, generation 8, I went with grass with uh, Grookey. And uh, yeah, Generation 9, I'll go water with Quaxley. So a lot of different types in there. And there's, there's a lot of grass, there's a lot of fire and a lot of water, I think. So, yeah, I'll go water. Let's go water this time. Team water. Let's have another drink here. And we'll get into a, a big story um, about uh, Bayonetta's voice actor. Because this, uh, this is an interesting one. A little bit of a 
little bit of drama here in the Nintendo community. Uh. Oh, thanks for the thanks for the patience there, everyone. So this is from my Nintendo News and the title is Jennifer Hale will be Bayonetta's voice actor in Bayonetta 3. The article reads, You may recall that earlier today it was announced that the newest issue of Game Informer would feature an interview with Bayonetta 3 uh, director, um, uh, Yuzuki uh, 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 Miyamata and supervising director hey, um, Hideki uh, Kamaya. Um, in uh, the digital version of the issue released today, and the interview contains an interesting bit of news. Uh, Himaya revealed that uh, Helena Taylor, who voiced Bayonetta in the first two games and in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, will not be returning to voice Bayonetta in Bayonetta 3 due to various overlapping circumstances. The team held um, auditions to find a new voice actress and the role was given to given to Jennifer Hale because the team felt that Hale was a good match for the character. Hale voiced many different characters over the last few decades, but in the world of Nintendo, she is most known for voicing Samus Aran in the Metroid Prime games. Uh, Himata says that Hale's performance was way beyond what we could have imagined. I'm confident that her portrayal... Um, of uh, Bayonetta, Bayonetta will uh, exceed our fans' expectations. So we had that, a bit of, a little bit of information, and that's, that's all interesting. Like, oh, new voice actor over, you know, many years of um, uh, Helena doing the, the voice. And personally, I actually haven't, hadn't heard of uh, Helena before as the voice actor, but a lot sort of come out. She put a, just a, a simple post on Twitter, a video, almost a two-minute video of her saying, friends, worldlings, bayonutters, hear ye. I'm like, all right. And honestly, I ignored this at, at first. I think uh, Zach in our Discord put this in the, uh, put this in our chat. And this is, this is, this is how my, my brain worked. And I'm so sorry um, if everyone's just like, you're the only person who thinks like that, Drew. But honestly, I, uh, I, I saw like some chick <laughs> just like posting a video and the hashtag Bayonutters. And my, my mind went just like to a crude place straight away. I'm like, is this like some weird fan art section of the internet where, you know, people are, people are nutting to Bayonetta? Is that what's going on here? But apparently that's just what they call the fans, the Bayonutters. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a, such an awful word. Bionutters. All right. But Helena, she put up a, a video um, basically explaining that she did not take on the role again because she was insulted by the amount of money that she was offered to do it. Um, 4,000 American dollars to voice the whole game. And I'm going to play the clip here. I think it's best explained from Helena itself. This is what she put on Twitter. So we'll play this and we'll be back to discuss it. Hello, my name's Helena Taylor and I am the voice of Bayonetta and I would like to explain to you why I didn't voice Bayonetta 3. The Bayonetta franchise made an approximated $450 million. That's not including merchandise. As an actor, I trained for a total of seven and a half years. Three years at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art, Lambda, with voice coach Barbara Barkery, 
and four and a half years with the legendary Larry Moss in Los Angeles. And what did they think this was worth? What did they offer to pay me? The final offer to do the whole game as a buyout, a flat rate, was 4,000 US dollars. This is an insult to me, the amount of time that I took to work on my talent and everything that I have given to this game and to the fans. I am asking the fans to boycott this game and instead spend the money that you would have spent on this game donating it to charity. I didn't want the world. I didn't ask for too much. I was just asking for a decent, dignified living wage. What they did was legal, but it was immoral. Yeah, so a really sort of um, eye-opening sort of, uh, you know, words from Helena there. Just, it's like, what do you do if you're really attached to this character and, you know, Bayonetta, whether you play the games or not, she is such a, just a well-voiced character that just brings, you know, just brings that character to life. Obviously, the animation and everything is just top-notch when it comes to Platinum's efforts with Bayonetta, but... The voice is iconic, just like it's, um, you know, completely different and over the top and it's, um, you know, she does a fantastic job. But like the whole idea of like $4,000, it's like, is is she going to voice the whole game in one day? Like that is, uh, that sounds like a pretty, you know, I guess very insulting sort of, sort of sum to be, to be shown just, <laughs> just for how much work that is like. Is it like, I've just got so many questions. I'd love to have Helena actually on the podcast just to be like, you know, how long does it take to voice a game? And regardless of the time, obviously just like her qualifications and the training that went into being Bayonetta and how much did she get paid to, you know, voice for Bayonetta 1, Bayonetta 2 and um, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate and um, all, all of that. So I've just got like a lot of questions to make like my judgment up because for thought, like honestly for me, as far as my limited sort of understanding of voice acting goes, I've talked to voice actors at conventions and had the opportunity to do some interviews and stuff like that. Um, you know, they're incredibly talented people and when you're in front of them, um, talking to them in person, they have just such a presence that they're able to put through their voice and their acting and their personality. They are incredibly, incredibly just talented people. So, you know, they're worth, they're worth the cash. But like for me, like for, if I put that much time into just like practicing education, you know, just being like a really good voice actor, like four grand would be like, and for, for a game that's going to make like so much money, like, she mentioned that the Bayonetta series has made, you know, uh, $481 million over the, you know, over the, the games. And that doesn't include merchandise. So like the game is, is, uh, you know, making plenty of money and having the main voice of that character be like, you know, $4,000, like, like really, even if it was two hours, like for me, like two hours, $4,000, you know, 
you got a good good wage for for that. That that's where I'd find it acceptable. But you know, of course that's not that, that's not the case. You've got to practice the lines. It's a full game. You're the main character. You're a character that just does not shut up. <laughs> so that's definitely not the case. It might be a week or something like. But um, yeah, it's just it's just crazy and. And she's putting out there like boycott Bayonetta three, do not buy the game, and you know put your money to charity. And this is a this is a difficult thing because I'm sure like a lot of you guys, you're looking forward to Bayonetta, you've been a big fan of the series, but you don't want to you don't want to see this lady just just get shafted by you know the team at Platinum and Nintendo. Obviously, Nintendo publishes this game. This is where Platinum's you know piggy bank comes from. Um, for doing Bayonetta two or three, sorry. So it, it is hard, but after um, after all this uh, sort of happened on Twitter, um, Hideki uh, Kamea basically put out a tweet saying, "Sad and deplorable uh, about the attitude of untruth. That's all I can tell for now. Uh, sorry, that's what all I can tell now. Um, by the way, beware beware of my rules. So it looks like he's uh, I don't know." She might be getting trouble for some lawyers or something. <laughs> some I, I noticed she didn't care about the uh, some agreements that she made. She she noted that in some of the other videos she posted afterwards. But I might um she put up three videos. I'm gonna play part three, and uh, it sort of like clears up some things um that uh, that we might have some questions about. Um. For those of you who are interested, I'd like to go into a little more detail about the back and forth. The first thing was I was um, required to audition again, because sometimes um, voices change with time. So I auditioned for the role and obviously passed with flying colours. They then sent me an insulting offer. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to write to Hideki Kamiya. I'm going to write to him and ask him for what I'm worth. So I got a friend who uh, has been in business in Japan to write in Japanese to him. I know he read it because I got a reply. I got a reply saying that he values greatly my contribution to the game and that the fans really want me to voice it over and he the memory of first meeting me as Bayonetta is a memory I hold dear. So I thought, great, thank God. <laughs> that was when they offered me 4,000 US dollars. Do you know, Platinum had the cheek to say that I was busy, that they couldn't make it work with Miss Taylor's schedule. Well, I had nothing but time. They now have a new girl voicing her over. And I love actors. I wish her all the joy in the world. I wish her all the jobs, but she has no right to say she is the voice of Bayonetta. I created that voice. She has no right to sign merchandise as Bayonetta. Any more than I have the right to sign as Eva Green, even though I was her parrot on the video game, The Golden Compass. That portrayal is hers and hers alone. They'll probably try and do a spin-off with Jan. Don't buy that either. <laughs> yeah, so it is, It is like I said, it's a tricky thing because 
you could imagine just what she feels like. And even where I said before, like, you know, Jennifer Hale is like uh, the new voice of Bayonetta, at least for the time being. It seems like she might be the one that sticks around and <laughs> keeps doing it. I don't know if uh, Helena is going to be able to, um, or, or want to, just with, um, I guess, how she's been treated. But it's a sucky situation. Personally, for me, if I feel, if you do want to support um, Helena and, you know, boycott the game, Honestly, I think the best way to do it is not like not buy the game, um, like, but maybe buy it like a month or so later. Because typically like a lot of the sales from Bayonetta 3 will be made in the first month. So if, if you want to support her and, you know, be like, you know, this isn't okay. You've got to pay your talent for your games well. Um, I would say probably hold off a little bit. Um, and that might be what I do. I'm not quite sure. Um, there's so much coming out this month. Um, I've still got to play Nier Amata, so <laughs> I'm already behind. Persona 5, uh, yeah, Persona 5 and Sparks of Hope come out uh, end of this week. Yeah, so, oh my God. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot coming out. So we've got about a couple of weeks until Bayonetta 3, but it's uh, it's a tricky situation. I just I just wish, you know, Platinum Games have had a lot of sort of controversy around their games and, you know, the quality and stuff. And, you know, Bayonetta 3 looks like it's actually going to be a step in the right direction. So it's a shame that, you know, the voice actors come out and be like, you know, for $4,000. $4, it's uh, a bit ridiculous. So all the best to Helena. I hope she, you know, I hope she finds some some comfort and just uh, all that with putting this out there. Um, but I'd love to have her on the show. I've, I've sent her an email um, and if she ever reads it, who knows? She might come on the show and we can uh, talk about it there. But uh, next up, we got some information about Pokemon Sword and Shield, and it's coming to an end next month. Well, at least some certain online features will anyway. We got a bit of an update from Serebii. I'll read it here. Um, oh, hold on. We got we got the update from Nintendo Life. So in the lead up to the release of Pokemon Violet and Scarlet next month, the Pokemon company has announced that it will end support for specific online services in gen uh, previous generation of Pokemon games, Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um, the Wild Area News is set to receive its final update on the 1st of November, which will add uh, will add Pokemon not regularly available um, like the uh, Gigantamax Snorlax. The Pokemon Battles ranked season will no longer up, be updated after the 1st of November. And these results, results will no longer be featured in the mobile and Switch application Pokemon Home. Friendly competitions will be still available, but won't display in Pokemon Home from December 1st. And the Wicom features and other online features uh, will apparently be uh, still be accessible. So, yeah, just like all of the stuff that gets constantly updated, like the news and um, raid end rotations and that, coming to an end. And that's to be expected with a brand new generation of games coming out. But, um, yeah, if you still want to play competitive and stuff in Generation 8, you're more than welcome to you. Um, which is which is pretty cool. Next up, uh, we got an update on Nintendo Pitches. And if you remember, basically we got um, confirmation that Nintendo bought a company called Dynamo. Um, and now it's been officially changed to the name Nintendo Pitches. I'm going to read this article from gamesindustry.biz. The article reads, Nintendo's purchase of Japanese uh, CG company uh, Domino Pitches has been completed with the firm rebranded to Nintendo Pitches. The Nintendo platform holder announced the acquisition earlier this year. It's second buy in 2022 following the purchase of long-running partner studio SRD in February. 
The deal was expected to close on October 3rd. And sure enough, Dynamo's uh, website has been redesigned in keeping with its new Nintendo Pitches branding. Quote, We aim to have consumers around the world learn about Nintendo characters through video and to create unique videos that will remain in the memory in their memory forever. End quote. Um, the site also shares more information about the company, including that is currently employs 105 people and its management now includes two directors from Nintendo, including Mario Odyssey producer uh, uh, Yakumi uh, uh, God, I'm just stuttering when I come to these Japanese words. Kazumi, Kazuma. <laughs> uh, Dynamo Pictures previously provided animation work for titles such as Persona 5, uh, Final Fantasy 13-2 and Metroid Other M. So, yeah, cool. I hope we get to see some cool stuff from this because I, I just want to see more animation work when it comes to Nintendo franchises. And the last story, this is um, a little bit of an update to the QA tester at Nintendo of America who fired a complaint. We got um, a bit more information about that. So this is another article from gamesindustry.biz. Nintendo settles with QA tester who filed labor complaint. Article reads... A QA worker who accused Nintendo of firing them for asking about the company's stance on unionization has settled their National Labor Regulations Board complaint over the matter, as reported by Polygon. Uh, Clifton, who came out uh, forward in February as the person who filed the complaint, said that they were fired in retaliation for trying to ask Nintendo of America President Doug Bowser about the company's position on unionization during a company meeting. Clifton agreed to the deal with uh, Nintendo of America and staffing agency uh, Ashton Carter. Um, That will see them receive um, uh, $25,910 in pay, interest, and damages. Aston Carter will be responsible for the payout while Nintendo of America has agreed to post a notice detailing employees' unionization rights on the main bulletin board of the Redmen's office, uh, office's products testing department for 60 days, as well as emailing a copy um, of it to all employees in that department. Quote, you have the right to talk about a union and we will not stop you from talking about a union. End quote. That's what the notice reads. Uh, oh, and we've got another quote. Uh, we will not fire you because you exercise your right to raise issues or complaints to us on behalf of yourself or other employees, included related to the topic of unionization. We will not fire you because of your union membership or support, end quote. Clifton had also sought an apology from Bowser, but there is no such... Um, no such... Um, view of this in the settlement. Uh, Nintendo still faces a second formal NLRB complaint that was fired on February shortly after Kotaku and IGN ran investigative features detailing a treatment of a QA employees um, at the company. So this particular worker, they got um, they got the cash. So it's good that, uh, that, you know, they got justice in some ways. They lost their job. They got treated like crap, but... They got a, they got twenty five grand, nice. <laughs> but yeah, this is um this has been something that's been you know plaguing Nintendo of America for you know the last few months. It's been pretty rough. Whether this has been happening forever or this has just been bubbling up to the top now, but this needs to this needs to um you know come to an end. Unfortunately, 
So that's all the news we got for this week. I want to jump into another interview. I've got this with um, this is with a developer, uh, James, and he's got a really cool game called Kendan that he had at uh, PAX Australia. So um, where we got here? We've got the interview here. Let's jump into it. All right, I'm here with James, and we just played a game on original Game Boy hardware called Kendan. And um, is that how you pronounce it? Just to make sure I'm right. Yeah. Kendan, cool. Um, so yeah, it's it's cool like seeing a game that's actually running on original Game Boy hardware, and like a lot of other games here at PAX, they're on like modern consoles. So what what was the whole idea to you know make a game for Game Boy? Just always loved the old console and found it fun to play around with the limitations of Game Boy. And just having that whole physical component was what I always wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Because, um, like, you know, I, I love, like, collecting, whether it's, like, the old Pokemon games or, like, whatever from Nintendo, a bunch of third-party stuff as well. That's the stuff I like to collect. But it's, it's awesome to see, like, new stuff coming out that, um, you know, you can get your hands on. And it's interesting, too, because I heard you say before that it's actually not coming to one consoles at all, that it is, like, 100% like a Game Boy game. Uh, eventually we might try to go to Steam. We had a Kickstarter campaign finished last year where some of the backers were rewarded a ROM file so they can play that through emulation, but a lot of them prefer to go physical side, which is very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome because I know some people as well, like, you know, I've still got my Game Boy Advance SP from when I was like nine years old, so I can go back to it now and play like a, a brand new game. Yeah, so that's cool. So tell us a little bit about Kendan, what it's all about, what the gameplay is, what the story, the characters, whatever's involved in it. Uh, you wake up one morning when a darkness has returned to the land, so it's up to you to help stop it. So generic fantasy RPG, sort of highly influenced between like uh, Legend of Zelda, a bit of Final Fantasy, that sort of thing. So you unlock different items throughout the game to progress. So you'll find swords, torches, hammers, and those different weapons can also have different effects through battles, so you encounter different enemy types. So there's a bit of a bit of Pokemon vibe there with yeah, all sorts of things. But there's plenty of side quests to discover as well as the main story. So the gameplay at the moment's around about four and a half to six hours, depending on how much you like to explore. And were they some games you played when you were younger, like Pokemon, Final Fantasy, all that type of stuff on, on Game Boy? Yeah, I grew up with uh, Pokemon Blue and then I got a Game Boy Color and I went to the Harry Potter series on Game Boy and just had a lot of fun with those old RPGs like turn-based combat and stuff like that. And yeah. Yeah, oh, awesome. No, it's, it's cool to see, yeah. Just, um, so, it's just so unique here. So, you know, it just stands out a lot. And um, when, when do you expect uh, to be able to pre-order um, copies and all of that stuff? Uh, pre-order's available now, uh, which plan to ship uh, quarter one next year. Awesome. So still in about late development stage at the moment. We're getting the soundtrack finalised with a few bugs as well. Yep. Yeah, so people that are interested, what site can they go to and um, maybe a Twitter account or a social media handle? Uh, Stompy Paws Studios. We've got our website and Instagram where it's all linked together. you be able to find all the information there. Too easy. Well, James, thank you very much for your time and enjoy your packs. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, so that was a chat with James and it was really cool to see this on the show floor actually at PAX because, you know, we um, oh, most of the games they're running on, you know, Steam, PC, occasionally Switch, PlayStation, all the new, all the modern consoles. But I have a look over and they just have this display um, case set up with like this Game Boy box and 
there's these people around the booth just playing, playing like on these modded Game Boy um, colors. I'm like, wow, that looks awesome. So we go over there and play it a little bit. And he had a demo set up where basically you're like a bartender and um, it's like a, I think it's, it's, it's an RPG where it takes, he said it takes about six hours to beat type of thing. So, you know, like a nice little, um, nice little evening on your Game Boy. So it's going to be, it's going to be cool when it actually comes out. And uh, there's like a bar, there's like a, yeah, a bartending minigame. Got to take beers to everyone. And it's funny because like a little like exclamation mark comes above their head when they want a beer. So you go up to the bar, you press A, get the beers, bring them back. And um, at the time he, he mentioned this, but there was a glitch where the exclamation marks wouldn't come up. So I'm just like, oh, well, everyone gets beer. Beers for everyone. <laughs> and um, I think I, I think, I think it was Ash or Josh were playing. I think I had like seven beers delivered. He had eight. and But the glitch didn't kick in for him. I'm like, come on, I could have delivered more bloody beers if that didn't happen to me. But uh, it seems really cool, man. I love the art style. Like it just, it reminds me of, you of Pokemon or even like um, like the Final Fantasy uh, Final Fantasy Adventure games on Game Boy. It, it looks really cool. I think it was, I think it's really cool that I, there's like a community out there that are making Game Boy games on original hardware, loading them on, onto ROMs and, and selling them online. There was a particular person on uh, Nintendovania. Josh actually had uh, a guest on talking all about that, how he's making games and has a game based around a, like a, a local um, Adelaide content creator that you know they enjoy watching and stuff. I'm like, that is just really cool. So it's, it's definitely a community I want to learn more about and play some games from and um, might, might start off with Ken Dan. Um, I think it would be awesome if they did also tackle modern platforms. They were saying about Steam and getting a ROM, but it would be great if like this was available on Switch. I think um, I think people that want it on like a physical card will get it and will play it on their hardware, but just, you know, you have the game. You may as well put it to as many people as possible. But yeah, I don't know what their budget and everything is. Obviously getting it to Nintendo and Xbox and PlayStation and whatever, that's not a cheap endeavor. So, um, but yeah, personally, I'd love to see these types of games come to, come to Switch eShop and stuff. So yeah, all right, guys. Let's move into the Red Coin recommendations and see what's bloody going on in the world of Nintendo eShop this week. So the first game is one that I've already talked about a little bit. We got Taco No Tatsujin Rhythm Festival. You can get it on the Nintendo eShop for a cool seventy bucks. And the little blurb here says: Play solo, play together, drum to the beat of your heart with Taiko. Welcome to Umaru City, the stage for Taiko no Tatsujin Rhythm Festival. A city full of everyone's favorite taiko elements is gathered into the one town. Join with Don Chan, meet your new favorite friend, <laughs> uh, Kumo Chan, and aim to become the taiko master. 76 songs included. What else we got here? Participate in online ranked matches. Have fun playing Taiko solo or together with friends. So yeah, there you go. There's actually a demo here too. That looks quite nice. Go and get the demo. Yeah, love the game. Very good. Next up, we got Lego Brick Tales. In Lego Brick Tales, discover an innovative brick by brick building mechanic to design puzzle solutions from your own imagination. See your creations brought to life in this beautiful Lego world where every problem has a constructive resolution. And I actually really loved Lego Journeys. I played it on Apple Arcade 
uh, late last year, I believe. And it was really cool. It's just like, um, you know, moving this character for this Lego world. Um, so I'm kind of into these sort of Lego games. and But this one seems more like actual, actual like building like dioramas and stuff. Whereas uh, Lego Journeys was very much just like a puzzle game. Um, similar to like Monument Valley and um, other titles um, that you might like. Um, maybe even a little bit similar in some aspects to um, Captain Toad. How you're just like moving the, the level around, just looking at what path you need to go. Very similar. So um, that's the title I really liked back uh, back last year. But Lego Brick Tiles, Tales, you can get it for 45 bucks. Last but uh, actually no, it's not last. We got a we got a troll one at the end. But the last serious one we got Dragon Dragon Ball the Breakers. This is a multiplayer Dragon Ball game, so pretty cool. Uh, survive to live, evolve to triumph. Dragon Ball Z the Breakers is an online. Uh, uh, online action game in which a team of uh, seven ordinary citizens try to survive the Raider, a classic Dragon Ball uh, rival such as Cell, Freezer, or Boo, um, who will hunt them down oh, and evolve during the game into an unstoppable force. Escaping won't be so easy. So you can escape as a team trapped in a terminal st uh, uh, seam. Joy playing as a Raider. Cool. Customize your play style. Enjoy unique power-ups and items. Actually, sounds pretty cool. It looks like a little bit. Looks a little bit rough, but it could be fun. It could be fun. I don't know if it's like a sort of. I guess like a horde mode with like a big boss type of thing. Cool. Anyway, uh, thirty dollars and ninety-five cents on the Australian eShop. And I chucked this in because I'm like, oh god, this seems like seems like a waste of time, honestly. But we'll we'll get through it nice and quick. So you can get Super Funky Bowling for five bucks. And uh, fast and funky physics fun. Put your skills to the test in this action-packed platformer. Put your thumbs to the test in a journey through 64 awesome handcrafted levels. Max out your skills and improve your times to be the very best. All right. And the game looks like um, something you might play on Flash animation back when Flash was a thing. So, yeah. All right. To, uh, to end the show off, we might just go to uh, Sakurai's phone booth and uh, have a bit of a chat with, um, <clears throat> well, not a chat, but just like lead into another interview with uh, with Josh from Nintendovania's questions. So hit the phone. Konnichiwa. Dairanto Smash Brothers director Sora no Sakurai desu. So this is a segment where I typically, uh, you know, want to get like voice memos from people and include other people's voices and questions on the show. Um, but I'm finding that very hard. People just like, you know, people, uh, you know, not wanting to record their voice. But I did get a, get Josh at, at actual packs to leave me a question. I've got it in my reels here. And um, it's, it's to do with packs and it's a good uh, sort of segue to the last interview, which I'm excited to share with you guys. So take it away, Josh. Hey Drury, this is uh, Josh from Nintendvania. It's not like you're right next to me right now, and I could ask this question. It's true, right I now. am here. I'm right here. Hello. I mean, I could ask you the question now, and I could get the answer from you, but I'm not. I want you to <laughs> delay it and ask me later. I want to know what was the surprise gem of a game for you at PAX? What was the one that uh, you had no expectations for, maybe never heard of, but uh, really enjoyed? Great question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great question, Josh. Thank you very much. And um, I think this this is one that really stood out to me. And I haven't heard a whole lot of um, 
others talk about when they bring up like the indie games at PAX. I was uh, I was talking to a really nice guy called Qual, and he had his game there, Amberel Dreams. And this is something that really stood out to me because it's uh, a basically like a, it's a puzzle platformer when you're going around as this little marble, but you can't jump. So you've got to use the mechanics in the level to really get through each stage. And I think at PAX, I think it just really stood out to me because typically for me, when I'm sh- playing a game at PAX, I've never played before. I feel like games that are really based around mechanics stand out a lot more than just story based games because when you when you're there you're not really taking in the story and that you're just like experimenting with like the physics the mechanics and all that and this is something that i really actually quite enjoy just sitting there and learning the mechanics of each sort of element to get through the game so we'll go uh, to the interview with qual and um we'll discuss it from there we're at the indie games booth uh, with a uh, qual uh f- with his game uh amber old dreams so how are you going Fantastic. Third day, a little bit tired, but um, it's just so much fun to be. Yeah, I, I've just been walking around for one day, so I could only imagine what, how you'd feel. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, um, we getting people to keep coming back to our booth because they liked it so much and bringing their friends. That's the highest compliment that we can get. So it's been a big success in that in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. And you got your game here, which is a, a platformer where you can't jump, and. Uh, you were talking before, there's a fair bit of a history behind the game as well, what you were mentioning. So tell us a bit about your game and what it's all about. So Unburial Dreams is our lifelong project to take everything that we like about platformers and distill it to its very essence, which means that you cannot jump. So everything depends on the level design and the environment and having that intimate relationship with the platformers, just like the name of the genre itself says. Yeah, the game started as a Flash game about 15 years ago. And then Flash died, but a few people still like the game, so we now we have the definitive version. We're going for a level sharing platform like Mario Maker, and also all sorts of things that you can find in, in platformers like um, speed running challenges, extra collectibles, a bit of a story. So yes, this is our celebration of everything that we like in platformers all into one neat package. And I can imagine, like back in the day, like you know you. You load this up on your on, on Flash. You jump into it. It's nice, and accessible, and the the concept's clear. Like you're able to like just go to get to the end type of thing. But how? It, just that little spin. Like you can't jump. So you, like you see like a bit of a ledge. You're like all right, how do I use these certain mechanics to overcome this? And um, whether it's in the Mario game, you just press the A button, you'll jump over the pipe. But in this, you're like, what do these little boost pads do? Or if I hit this little triangle, like does that um, like give me a bounce off of it? And I think um, it's just a uh, just from my five minutes of sitting down with it, it's uh, just like a really sort of interesting take on a, on a puzzle uh, platformer. Yeah, thanks a lot. There's a lot of ideas that are going into this from the, the whole physics component leads to a very playful experience. So we're making every collision make notes that are in key with the background in the background song. So, oh yes, uh, in terms of the, the Flash game origins, that's what got uh, like millions of players back in the day, like congregate, armorgames.com. So we're just rescuing that concept for the new generation and bringing it into, into Steam and Switch next year. And um, yeah, the, what, was there a specific question about the, the, that? It's what I like to call the, the poetics of space, when you get to feel every ledge, because yes, when you have a jump button, everything just becomes, oh, can I land here or can I not land here? But when, when, when physics are involved, then you, you learn to read the angles and, and have a, more of that intimate relationship with the creator of the level and so on. Absolutely. And 
when it was a flash game what was your involvement with it then I, I, I started it myself and I back in the day there used to be like flash game design contest where you would just um, submit your game and the, the best ones got on the front page of, of all those pages but yeah it, it was just it started as a, a love letter to platformers as well back then and it's evolved from there mm. yeah because it's uh, yeah, just like yeah, a, a lot of fun and I think um, a lot of people get a good kick out of it you know, in handheld mode or playing it on their TV on Switch when it eventually comes there. So yeah, That's right, so the levels are pretty snappy, very easy to pick off, pick off and play. And uh, definitely a, a married man planning to have kids, so I, I understand the value of the Switch, the handheld mode, being able to just take it everywhere. And, and this is very much tailored for that kind of sit down, have some fun experience. Yeah, I've got an eight-month-old, and the switch is uh, a blessing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll get some tips from you later on. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope. Let's see if I have any tips. But for anyone that wants to check out more about the game, maybe check out the website or social medias. Where can people go and check it out? Yeah, so it's all in Amberial, Amberial.com. We have a page on Steam. We're going on early access in in nine days. But um, yeah, the full switch release next year as well. We love to get more people making levels sharing stuff with like i said mario maker style community that we're trying to foster and we are trying to be very friendly people that are celebrating that community and, and so on yeah. that level editor is just going to like take this game to new heights just with people with their creativity what they're going to be able to do with the mechanics and everything it's going to be it's going to be pretty yeah, pretty special so yeah the, the qa team of the publisher has made such interesting levels that we bring into the main campaign already and there's one guy who spent 300 hours making a single level that is absolutely insane in terms of difficulty that even myself have been able to beat. So I'm already outclassed by my own community. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. If you give your community the tools, I was like, oh, no, they're outdoing me. But that will be like competition for you to, uh, <laughs> to keep going. You need to do better now than them. Yes. <laughs> that's right. Well, absolutely. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and uh, enjoy the rest of your packs. Thank you so much. You too. And have fun. Thank you. Well, I'm still muted there. Yeah, no, it was um, absolutely fantastic to, uh, yeah, meet Qual. And um, we actually uh, followed each other on Twitter. And he, he actually gave me a subscribe on my YouTube channel. So big, big shout out there. Thank you very much, Qual. But yeah, like when I sat down to play this game, it was just like, I kind of need this just now. Just something just to pick up and simply play. And I think, um, I think just at the moment, I'm just like thinking a lot about, you know, Persona 5 um, near, near Automata. I'm like, oh, these, you know, these big long games. And I, I just sort of, you know, want something like this, just like a nice puzzle platform and do a couple of levels and, you know, feel smart after, after tackling a couple <laughs> and seeing how that goes there. But yeah, Ambro Dreams, definitely check that out on Steam. It should be early access now by the, by the sounds of it. Um, I think it's, is it nine months? No, not quite, not quite at the time when it comes out, but very soon you'll be able to get it on Steam for early access and switch next year sometime. But yeah, as you can hear in our interview, that's the the point where I actually became really excited about that that um, level builder because just like the idea of um, content always coming out and even if you beat the game and you're just like, oh, let's, let's see if I can tackle some levels. Go and download some levels, bang, play them like that. And it might not be as robust, oh, well, not robust, but as popular as like Super Mario um, Maker and stuff. But um, there should be like plenty of stuff in there. And I don't know. I can imagine being a developer as well and just completely being outclassed <laughs> by someone in your community who like, 
you know, I'm I'm sure like all the levels Qual's made is going to be fantastic, but there's going to be there's going to be like you know at least one bright spark out there who just makes him go, oh god, <laughs> got to step it up for the next game. Yeah, even like you can imagine if um if he was feeling a bit self conscious before the launch, he's like, tell you what, I'm taking this I'm taking this level builder out. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to be out, outclassed by, um, I don't know, Jeremy from Melbourne. <laughs> Little Jeremy, seven years old, going to preschool. And uh, God, he makes some good levels in bloody Admiral Dreams. God, he, he does a good job there. <laughs> but yeah, that's um, that was probably my uh, game that caught my eye the most. There was a, there's definitely a bunch of stuff that I'm keen to check out on on uh, say steam just like with a bunch of demos like gumbrella and uh there's a game called dredge and i looked at a lot of these games and they're always a big lineup and i just went oh look i'll play it on steam a little bit later um or when it comes out (laughs) or just never who knows but yeah this this was one that stood out to me just like yeah qual just a really nice guy really cool history behind the game being you know basically 15 years old um as a flash game you know, coming to Steam and Switch and a couple of other consoles through a publisher next year and just a cool little uh, little platformer. So, yeah, definitely worth checking out. It's cool that there's um these, like, people out there just, you know, making stuff that they love. I think it's awesome. I think that's the best part about just the, the indie show floor. But, guys, that brings us to the end of the show. I want to thank you very much for listening to the House of Mario episode 235. I very, very much appreciate it. Sort of stumbled through this one a little bit. I knew my my nose and my throat and everything um, weren't going to hold up as well. But looking at the clock here, we're at an hour and thirty three minutes, so that's uh, that's not too bad from my voice, and that's not too bad from your, your ears as well. So thank you very much to your ears. Appreciate it. Um, maybe even your eyes if you're looking at me on YouTube.com/slash iDruby. Appreciate you being here. Go and check out the show on podcast services. Go and check out the show on um, on YouTube. Very much appreciated. And um, yeah, that's it. Cool, man. Let's shut these doors. It's time to get out of here. You know what I'm saying? It's been too long. I'll see you next week, all right?